Welcome to the 335th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with writer Kelly Harms, author of the novel The Bright Side of Going Dark. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen to audiobooks during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Reading and writing podcast special offer, get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with code RWPODCAST. That's code RWPODCAST for two audiobooks for the price of one for your first month of membership at Libro.fm. Well, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Kelly Harms, author of the novel The Bright Side of Going Dark. Harms's previous novel, The Overdue Life of Amy Byler, was a Goodreads Choice Award 2019 finalist and a top 10 Amazon bestseller of the year. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad well, to be if someone, great. If someone listening hasn't heard about the bright side of going dark yet, how would you describe the novel? Bright Side is a very quirky book that came out of the time following uh, Amy Byler, which did well, and I'm all too pleased about that. But it also changed how my profile worked in the world in terms of social media, because suddenly I became someone that people actually wanted to reach out to. Um, (laughs) And that's great. I love hearing from my readers. That has been an absolute treat. What hasn't been such a treat is how my relationship with my phone has changed. And in examining that, and then a couple of other events that happened in my life, I realized that there was a way although it's very difficult and very nuanced to settle up my relationship with my tech. And it has really improved my life um, and it continues to grow. So when in writing about bright side, I wrote about two sides of the tech window, uh, an influencer who is on her Instagram constantly updating, getting sponsorships, making a living out of the work. And then a photo screener or a um, safety and standards screener, as they're sometimes called, who's sitting on the other end of the screen deciding what's appropriate and what's not for the public to see at large. This is very much in the news right now, and it is a very complicated issue. And so I I take by that that you've read some of the articles about the the Facebook, uh, I guess screeners or content moderators and definitely. Kind of, <laughs> I fell down uh, a wonderful research hole on that, um, learning about what their lives are like in different countries and then what it's like here and the kind of mental health toll that it takes. Yeah, it's pretty horrifying. It is, and I'm obviously the writer of lighter fiction, so I. <laughs> I um took at it took at it um from a from a viewpoint of one woman's experience who already has existing mental health troubles 
And that really let me dig into a woman's experience that while still sort of dipping a toe in the larger problem here. So you'll hear a little bit about cyberbullying, about indecency. Um, but this isn't the book where I take on, for example, fact checking on Facebook. <laughs> that is maybe someday. <laughs> it's a big topic. And, um, and I still want, I mean, this, I still want my readers to have fun and be a little escapist here. And, um, and I wrote the book that I needed to read for the phone situation that I was in in the moment. So, so do you have someone who runs your social media for you? I work with other people, but I do the content production myself. Um, and it is quite time consuming. It's also very rewarding at times, but I use it in this very conscious way. Um, which is to say most of the year it's for sharing what I'm reading with other people, elevating other authors, or just being a human person and showing my humanity. So you're not going to see that I baked the most beautiful cake in the world or the perfect loaf of sourdough bread on my feed. You're going to see the reality that's a little bit messier than that. And also I have a really cute dog. Um, it never hurt. <laughs> never hurt, right? Um, and then, and then at the same time, I did need help to do the the interactions and to keep up with um, people, sort of adding you, so to speak. Adding means tagging you, right. uh, and. You want to be positive about it, but people tag you whether you want to be in a conversation or not. So, <laughs> and sometimes it's awesome and you love it. And I definitely hope that I let those people know. And then sometimes you're like, wait, did you just tag me to tell me you hated my book? <laughs> and so and that doesn't happen that often. But when it does, it's the sort of social media equivalent of somebody coming over, ringing your doorbell, and shouting at you. <laughs> so, right. you, you do need help to stand between you and that onslaught. Sure. So do you go dark from social media and technology in your own life? Yes, I do. And the first experience was actually while writing this book, I went dark because I was in the hospital. And I realized that when that happened, the the people that I sort of touch, so to speak, every day via technology or conversation or walking or whatever. Um, those people obviously knew exactly what was going on with me, but the people who you don't, so to speak, touch um, or who the the interaction doesn't go both ways had no clue. And obviously when I was sick in the hospital, my phone was the last thing I cared about. So during that time, it really helped me center in how very different our in real life or on the phone relationships are from our likes in quotation marks and our friends in quotation marks. Sure. So, so what are your earliest memories of reading in books? Oh gosh, they go so far back. I vividly remember I had a little trouble learning to read and I was bribed with a Care Bear watch to get through. I think it was Go Dog Go. And that must have been highly effective because I don't feel like I've ever stopped reading since. But um, our house is full of books. I grew up in a house that just 
you, I don't even know how to describe. Well, I guess I can say my mom is a librarian. So you, you know, all you need to know right there. So books have always been important to everyone in our family. Um, but I was definitely the the lightest reader of anyone, and I read the same things over and over and over again. So the Little House books and the Jane Austen and what I call my feelings oeuvre, all the Anna Green Gables books, just all the things that were Judy Bloom, just sort of moving me through my developmental stages. And so what was the path to publication like for you in writing and publishing your and getting your first novel published? Had you always wanted to be a writer before that? What, what was that like for you? Uh, no, what happened is I, I took a wrong turn on the way to med school and ended up doing an internship. And then from there, I actually got into the book business itself. So I did work in the book business for some time. And, um, and one day I was sitting in a meeting and it was at a time where we were thinking about relocating to be closer to my family because at the time New York was the only place to do the job it felt like so it hadn't really ever occurred to me that I could do anything in books without living in New York but at the same time I very badly was ready to move back to the Midwest so for personal reasons family and because we were getting ready to start our own family and wanted to be close to the grandparents. Um, So I was just sitting in a meeting and I had just read a book that I felt was really special and sort of inspired me in that it was getting away with being very different. And I, up until then I had been told by my seniors that funny women writers weren't really in demand and there wasn't really a place for them in the market. And then when I saw this book start to work, I just felt like a door opened and I walked through it. (laughs) So when I got to Madison, I wrote this book, the first one, um, and it sold, I think, I mean, it went to auction while I was actually in labor with my son. So, um, so it went, it was easier because I was well connected at that point. And I'm just going to be totally honest that, Mm-hmm. Anytime I hear the word overnight success applied to me, I just roll my eyes because I worked in the industry for a decade, um, meeting people and learning how things work. And that was my MFA, so to speak. And so what was your writing process like for the bright side of going dark? Do you outline extensively or do you write more organically? What's that process like for you? At this point, I do some outlining. I really enjoy um, a book called Take Off Your Pants, which is about going from being a pantser to a plotter. And I'm still a pantser in my soul in as much as um, I I give myself a lot of free reign. But I did start using some major beat structures so that I, because of time, essentially it came down to time. Um, when I'm trying to write a book a year, I need to know where I'm going because I don't have endless editing and fiddling around time. So, or if I do have it, I'm using it to get my book to the next level, not just to meet the, pardon me, major beats of the, of the story itself. So yes, bright side had some beats mapped out. I had a really good idea of 
where I wanted the book to go. Of course, once I got to know the characters better, they did not care about my beats and they just went off in their own directions. But because I think I have a lot more conversance now than I used to with the shape of a book of, of a Kelly Harms book, I was able to keep the shape while letting the characters really do what they were going to do. And the book got really long, interestingly. I mean, even though this is the fastest book I've ever written, it just got longer and longer. It's totally true that I did not have time for brevity. (laughs) (laughs) So given your experience in the industry and and working, I'm assuming you worked as an editor? Mm -hmm. And an agent. Uh, As an 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 agent. Um, so, so I'm, I'm curious what what has the writing what has been the publishing process like for you? I mean, are there? I mean, do you think it's uh, good that you have this knowledge and and are able to kind of advocate for yourself, knowing how the industry works? Well, knowing how the sausage gets made isn't always good. It can be really limiting <laughs> when you think, "Oh, that'll never sell. That won't work. Such and such these rules." those rules don't service you. And when you're trying to be creative, the last thing that you want is your internal editor to have any extra information. You just want to be sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness. You'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply her to be quiet or him to be quiet. So that's the, that's the downside to it. The upside is it gives you so much permission because when I was sitting on the other side of the desk, I was inundated with queries all the time and I knew what was out there and I knew that somebody had the chutzpah time, somebody times a hundred had the chutzpah to write an entire book and just believe in themselves and try it. And so I knew that the stories that we tell ourselves that nobody will want your book or that, um, that it's impossible to break out. I knew all that stuff was hooey and that there were people out there at desks praying for something good to come across their table. So I think I gave me a lot of extra oomph. And so you just mentioned this internal editor and, and kind of knowing the market and, and, things coming to, to mind as you're trying to be creative. Are there any tricks that you learned of trying to turn off that internal editor? Well, it's a process, right? Because whatever works for one book may not work for the next book. Um, when, when she's de- loud and she's deafening, I end up sort of as woo woo as it sounds, I sort of say, directly to that person or that voice, I say, look, I know you're worried that I'm going to fail and be embarrassing, but 
I cannot edit a blank page. So please just let me put something down. (laughs) And I constantly promise myself I'll fix this later. And um, half the time when I go back, it's just not as bad as I thought it was while I was writing. (laughs) And half the time it is, but you can't fix a blank page. And so I give myself the gift of something to edit in the first place every time that I sit down. And I have enough faith from doing these five books now that the editing will get there. And and if it doesn't, you have a drawer book, life goes on. But, um, you, you know, if you're, if you're happy with your characters and if ultimately the characters have a question that they need you to answer for them over the course of the book, then I always say, well, just keep writing because you still need to solve these problems. The, the, Bright Side is a perfect case in point. I started it thinking that I had no place for influencers in my life, that they were just making me feel bad, that social media was just dragging the world down. I came out of it with a very different, much more nuanced understanding as my characters taught me that there was a time and a place for everything and that, um, that nothing is as it seems on your tiny little screen that you carry around in your pocket, so to speak. Sure. So given your, given your knowledge of the industry, and as I mentioned earlier, your previous novel, The Overdue Life of Amy Byler, um, was quite a success, uh, top 10 seller on Amazon. Um, if you are not thinking creatively um, or, or not in that creative mode, um, is it possible for you to analyze the success of the overdue life of Amy Byler and, and what you were able to, to accomplish there in terms of sales? Well, I will say that nobody saw it coming, I think, uh, except maybe my agent. She's a brilliant genius or she's just very dogheaded. I like her either way. Um, but she she knew there was something special there. And I wrote that book from a place it's about a single mother. I'm a single mother. I wrote it from a place of um, love and intimacy with the subject. And I think there are a lot of women who felt seen when I said out loud some of the things that we are all feeling. And, you know, similarly with Brightside, talking about the the love hate relationship that we have with tech right now, the letters I get are just really clear that people feel that, uh, how do I say this best? I think that people feel that some of the things that we're most hooked on, whether it's mother guilt or, um, feeling less than when we scan our Instagram feeds or that we know that we don't want to be doing those things. And yet we're kind of in a cycle. So when I talk about that stuff, people are ready to hear it. And then when you talk about it in a fun way and you give yourself a great story and you're having fun when you're writing, then I think that's probably a sign that things are going to work. But again, I have no idea. There's a little doubt because you know, all there's a lot of really fun books out there. They don't always find their audience. Um, and it, it, 
it's the sort of thing where you just keep going. You just keep writing the books until the one that comes along and connects with people, you know, just lands in the right magical place with the right cover and the right editorial team because, oh my gosh, the editorial on my books is so detailed and I work with two different editors to get them where they need to go and my agent helps with it. And so there's a, you know, it's not really just up to an author to decide which one's going to be the one that's magical. No, I mean, and, and I think there, I mean, I actually worked for an agency for three and a half years in the nineties um, and have worked at bookstores, et cetera. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's an element of word of mouth that oh. um, publishers can't, I mean, you know, that you can't figure that out. I mean, you can do advertising and you can do social media promotion, but you can't make someone tell their friend, wow, you've got to read this book. That is totally true. And, (laughs) and you all know, like when you finish a book and the last few chapters are like, just, it's like an urgency when you're just rushing through them, but you're also just pained knowing you're coming to the end of the book and you're having that experience with a book. When that happens, it's so rare and so special that people just sort of tell everyone they know. And on Bookstagram, which is the sort of subculture of Instagram that's really focused on talking about reading, um, this book, Amy Byler connected with a lot of people. And as a result, I actually dedicated Brightside to the bookstagrammers because I wanted them to know that they are very much seen in a more nuanced way than their feeds might suggest. Sure. And I, I mean, I'm grateful because mostly social media isn't used to share offline projects. So there's this place that you can come and spend half an hour, set your timer. And then when you leave, you've got a new stack of books. You feel like you're in a community. It's really great. I mean, like I said, it's nuanced and that's my favorite thing about it. Sure. So, so what writing advice would you offer for listeners who are writing their own stories and novels? I have, I say the same thing that I think everyone should say, which is to read and read widely. Uh, if, if we all assume that we know and have been told to sit in a chair and write every day and that's not working for you, then it's okay to be a little kind to yourself and say there are seasons of life like coronavirus quarantine is not a season of life where a lot of us have extra time, especially if you have kids at home. Um, and we beat up on ourselves. Like I didn't write today. I just barely, I don't deserve to enjoy my day or what have you. And I know there's a tendency for us authors to go out and say like, I write every single day, which I usually do, but that's, a practice like running. I didn't start out running eight miles a day. I, you know, you sort of shuffle along a pavement for a while. So during (laughs) those shuffling moments of your life, whether you've got the proverbial shin splints of writing or whether you are suddenly, instead of being a, um, a mom with supports in place, suddenly you're a parent who's got, 
people in the room with you at all times, talking to you, asking you what you're doing and telling you that they're bored, even though they're cool kids. Um, and when those things happen, it's okay to just say, okay, this is the time for me to fill the well because nothing's coming out of there. (laughs) And those are the times that you get out books and not the same books you read over all the time. Never has there been a better time to read outside your lived experience because when you do that, not only do you lend credence to other people's lived experience, but it also gives you permission to be who you truly are as an author and not be just busy trying to force yourself into existing genre profiles. So read and then read black books and um, read books by women if you're a man and read from outside your experience. Read translations. And that's what will refill your well. Great. Well, on that <laughs> note, on that note, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh my gosh, I read so much usually, and then I've slowed down a little bit due to the homeschooling schedule. Um, but my sister, the serial killer, is my favorite read of the last month in terms of page turning, sui generis, really fun, but cool, but smart, but stylish. And so I really recommend that to everybody. It's, um, well, author's last name is Braithwaite. And then um, the other book that I'm reading with my son right now is uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell. I can't recommend it enough in the nonfiction department. And it is a, um, young adult companion, but it really can be made suitable for every age, adult to young child. And uh, so those are the ones I would say to grab right away. And of course, Bright Side of Going Dark is a good one to grab if you're listening (laughs) in. Sure. So where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your books? I'm on my website and there's a way to contact me directly. And that's the best way to go because there's nobody standing between you and my inbox. Um, and then you that sure said, that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that can change if you make a wrong move, but for now that's the case. I love hearing from my readers and I write back to every one. So it can take months to be honest. Um, but that's me writing back, not an assistant. And then I also can be found uh, at kelly.harms on Insta. And then if you want to be on Facebook, I don't know why, but there I am in a group called Bloom. And if you look it up under Facebook groups, Bloom, all are welcome to talk to me and my fellow authors about everything book related. It's a very fun place to be. It's the only reason I still use and love Facebook. So check it. Great. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Kelly Harms, author of the new novel, The Bright Side of Going Dark. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Kelly, thanks for doing this interview. It's been my pleasure. Write everybody and read and have fun. This is a hard time in our nation. And the Work that you do outside of your home, you replenish that energy when you take care of yourself with a good book and a cup of tea. That's great advice. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. It has. It has. This was fun.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.